Hello, this is Mike Grain. I'm your host for the On-Shelf Availability with the Supply Chain Management Research Council. We had a podcast about a month ago, I think it was episode number 14, where we actually talked to the leading shelf scanning robot technology providers. We had Badger Technologies, we had Brain Technologies, we had Simbi, and we had Zippity Robotics. I got a lot of feedback about that, about how helpful that was for people to understand that, but they wanted to go a little bit deeper. They wanted to talk a little bit about how do these robots actually work in store and what exactly does it result in for the retailer and the brand owner. So today I'm joined by BJ Santiago of the Badger Corporation, and we're going to go a little bit deeper. So hello, greetings, this is Mike Grain. Uh, I have the pleasure of uh, spending time with BJ Santiago from the Badger Corporation. BJ, I, uh, I took some liberties to, to look at your bio on LinkedIn and man, you've had a lot of cool opportunities in your career. A lot of them seem to be like in retail technology, sales and service. I, I, I saw Optio, Lexamark, Intellinetics. Is that how you said that one, Intellinetics? Yeah, Intellinetics, they were a... Uh a records management organization for government agencies. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that's led you all the way up to the point you are now, which is the CEO, Chief Executive Officer of the Badger Corporation. We're going to spend the entire time talking about what exactly does a Badger, what is a Badger robot? How does it work? How does it help retailers and brand owners? But before you do, I got a couple of setup questions. And the first one, you probably didn't know this, but you've posted on your LinkedIn profile a quote by Drucker. If you want something new, you have to stop doing something old. Pretty profound, and I'm sure that means something to you. I'd love to get your perspective on what, why is that important to you? Why would you put it on your LinkedIn profile, and, and what does it mean to you? Uh, it's, it's funny you saw that. A lot of people will just uh, look over that. Um, uh, you know, Basically, what it's saying there, Mike, is you've got to uh, and I'll use Badger as an example. We had a great meeting the other day and, and, you know, we've got some seasoned veterans that are just super smart, but they've been here a while and we've got some younger generational uh, engineers that are super smart. And, you know, they were tasked to figure something out and the same guys were trying to figure it out and they weren't asking for the younger people's opinion. And I just stopped them and I said, listen, I said, you guys have been doing this a long time together and it's the same group trying to figure out very similar problems. You've got to think to, uh, out of the box and you have to look at other people to get some insight and answers. And really, you know, if you keep on using the same knowledge to do the same things over and over again or, or face the same challenges, you're never going to get it to the next level. So I said, you know, tr trust on the younger generation we have to work, trust on other experts, trust on other people um, to help you grow as a person professionally and, and uh, personally. And really, that's what that means. Mm -hmm. It just means that. You know, if you're expecting to do the same old things all the time and, and, and wait for new results, it's just not going to happen. The whole definition of insanity thing, right? <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, this, this, that wisdom probably goes way beyond just the idea of shelf scanning robots, but I, that's, that's very profound. I think, I think we all sort of get in the same, same treadmill and get on the same thing and expect different results. And I think that's really good wisdom. So well, thanks. Thanks for noticing that. Yeah. If we so, can stop now, we're great, Mike. <laughs> now we got to keep going. I got some more questions for you. So, so one of the things that I always like to ask our podcast guests, because at the end of the day, I'm spending a lot of my focus, basically my entire focus on on-shelf availability, 
making sure products are in stock, making sure it's available for both the customer who shops in a brick and mortar store as well as they buy it online and they have a picking service, pick the product for them. But before we get into the solutions that address that, one of the things I like to ask is, we're all also customers. We go buy groceries, we buy product at mass merchandisers and the club channel and the dollar channel and the you know food drug channel and the, you know all that kind of stuff. So before we get into this particular topic, I'm interested in any potential stories you have about when you as a customer wanted to get something, went into a local store. You don't have to name the store. We don't need to throw the store under the bus, but just your experience as a customer or a shopper and how that particular experience made you feel. Well, uh, it's funny. You must have been chatting with my wife because the local store owner of one of the grocery stores we go to here locally uh, by my neighborhood, uh, him and I have a close relationship now. At first, he didn't know what I did for a living, but um, don't laugh, but I, I love spaghetti and white clam sauce. Oh, okay. Specifically, I love Progresso white clam sauce, so I'll give them a little shout out. Cool. And every time I'd go into the store, I'd look at their mobile app, and I'd be like, okay, the product is not there, okay? I, I, it's never here. It's never in stock where it is, and I'd walk around to a few other aisles guessing, and it would be over there. And then when we, my wife would order it online, we'd get the alternative. So it was driving me crazy. So one day I went into the store and I said, can I speak to the day manager? And we, we met each other and uh, I told him what we did. And we had a few laughs and I told him what Badger did. But now, believe it or not, that progressive clam sauce is always in the right place. <laughs> so we don't need retail technology. We just need every single customer to stop somebody in the store and go, why is it so hard to keep this in stock? I really like this product. Yeah. I don't think that's sustainable and systemic, but it's pretty, it's no, a pretty, no, it's a pretty interesting way. Either, so, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you and I had an opportunity uh, a few weeks back, I guess it's been about a month or so now, to, to spend some time on the shelf scanning robot. And we had some other uh, folks on the line as well. But I, I got some feedback from folks who watched that podcast. They wanted to go a little bit deeper on a couple of the topics. So, so one of the things that I did is, is basically kind of think about, okay, what exactly is, is it? So let's start with the basics. Exactly what is badger technologies and specifically what in the world do, have you created with a shelf scanning robot tell me about that sure sure you know simply put um badger is a global uh, autonomous solutions company and autonomous means that we use you know uh uh driverless type technologies and robotics um combined with artificial intelligence and machine learning which we can then um, convert data and metrics and insights into not only the retailers we serve, but also adjacent marketplaces. And what we try to do at Badger is be device inclusive because we understand we'll lead with our robotics, but we also have to deal with other companies' technologies, um, such as like fixed cameras and things. So we try to be device inclusive, which using our technologies and maybe some existing technologies, we help our customers lower their operational costs and ultimately increase their profits by getting more product on the shelf more frequently, which then ultimately lets them uh, drive their um, customer experience to higher levels because uh, you know the customers are there to find what they like. And by using the Badger technologies as an inventory system to alert them on when things are not in the store, it enhances the, uh, the end user's customer experience. And, and we do this through a hybrid model we bring to market, which is the robots. And also we have a best-in-class analytic uh, platform 
for the markets that we serve. So let's go all, all the way back to the first question that I asked you. So you as a customer got frustrated because that pasta sauce was not in the store. If that particular store would have had a Badger shell scanning robot, how would they have gotten alerted that there was an issue? Uh, they would have gotten alerted through what typically what, what our partners do is they'll do several scheduled scans with the robot a day. They typically start with a very early morning scan when the store is relatively in pristine uh, conditions from the night before of, uh, of uh, filling the shelves. So they'll run an early morning scan. They would have gone down that spaghetti pasta aisle, evaluating the, the products on the shelves, the price tags and so forth. And it would have noticed that that particular brand of uh, spaghetti sauce was, was not on the shelf. Either there was a gap or it wasn't in the right location. The robot would take um, an image of that. It would identify that it would read the uh, the price tag and the barcode looking for the item in the SKU. And knowing that that product was not there, it would then take that information, uh, load it onto our portal site, which the uh, store operation continues, or it would send the information via API to uh, the store system and just alert them uh, in the way that both parties want to, uh, want to communicate that that item is currently out of stock. As soon as the robot is done with that aisle run, 15 to 20 minutes after it's completed an aisle, it's updating the store operations with this, this kind of information, which then allows the store to one, know that the, uh, the issue, uh, the item is not on shelf, but also if they wish to, they can replenish it much sooner, make sure the product's there for the afternoon rush or the evening rush and so on. Wow. So you're saying it's actually going down every single aisle looking at every single shelf tag and determining if there's a shelf tag there and there's no product there, that's an out. They're also looking at that shelf tag and if a product is there, but it doesn't look like the product that it should be, it's a incorrect product. And it's also catching pricing and discrep discrepancies. Now there's thousands of items in an aisle, right? So you're, you're saying that this thing is autonomously doing this and then providing that information real time back to the store, relatively real time within 15 minutes, so they can take action on what it found. That, that's correct, that's okay. correct. And where the robot has uh, an advantage over a human, and we've done several audits with, you know, the customers that have chosen our, our solution is, um, you know, you'll hear the term spread and plug and, uh, that's when items are across the shelf and they may be over the price tag and it looks very neat and it looks like all the items are there. The robot can also detect, as you said, the incorrect product. So it can go down. And if uh, an associate has um, put all, you know, Coke over Pepsi's price tag, but it looks very neat, the associate scanning the inventory on a scan gun typically walks right past that and assumes everything's uh, in stock. The robot can identify that, like you know, from what you just said, by reading the price tag and understanding the visual of it, um, and it still reports that that those items aren't there. So, we've had you know the robot go down a few aisles, and then a person from that same store go down the same aisles right after the robot, and it blow your mind on how much more accurate the robots are just from the humans. Hmm. Yeah, I would imagine 
that's scanning a shelf and scanning a product and scanning the next uh, label scan that that would get pretty monotonous after a while i would think that would get very as a matter of fact if you know that you're in the aisle doing that i would imagine if you're in the middle of doing it you're probably going to get interrupted by a customer which is a good thing you solve right. their problem you go go back and go i forgot where i was <laughs> exactly. So. Exactly. yeah it's just human nature it's yeah. hard to do and hard to keep that focus for that long of time and there's just so much you know, skews and information on those shelves. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're seeing we're seeing robots anywhere, everywhere, and adoption seems to be expanding on this. I mean, I, I think we probably already know the answer to this question, but why do you see adoption expanding as rapidly as it is? Well, Mike, there's several reasons for you know the adoption taking place. It's not only the technology, but first and foremost, right now, uh, the adoption rate is happening faster than usual due to the lack of labor. Um, there's a big labor shortage in the retail environment today. Uh, the sheer point that they can't get people to come to work or having a difficulty to do so is one of the major problems why the adoption rate has grown uh, so quickly over the last two years post-COVID or during this pandemic stage. Um, but also, it's, um, it, it, there's great ROI associated with it as companies look at uh, the hourly wages going up to $15 an hour in many of the states around the country. Um, some of these uh, companies are predicated on an eight to twelve dollar an hour model, and then so they're they're struggling with how can we uh, reduce costs but yet maintain the um, on shelf conditions in the store, and the robot becomes a very strong economic reason to do so. Um, and so there's just a lot of good reasons, and what we're also seeing is um, is the smaller independent grocers, so the tier one grocers, you would think automatically would go to robotics. They they can afford it, but the uh, independent grocer, the family grocer, from ten locations up to maybe a hundred locations, uh, over the last two years, they've adopted um, mm. the robot technology, and we have several new customers that have sub uh, fifty locations that are using our robots today. It's just more economically sound for them to do so. Wow. Well, that sort of answers another question that I'm sure that that people have asked me before, which is, isn't this aren't these robots taking away jobs from people? And to a certain degree, the answer is they're taking away tasks from people. Yes, not taking away jobs. Last time I checked, your robot doesn't have an arm. So if even it can't, it can't necessarily respond to an alert and put a product back on the shelf. But just the mundane pop process of sitting there scanning scanning the shells and generating alerts, which is fairly monotonous and you, you know, it's probably not the most exciting job in the world. I'd rather just respond to the alerts because that's something I feel I can add value to. So that's the answer that that I would probably give for folks like that. So, yeah. so go ahead. Right. No, no, no. I was just gonna say, yeah, and and believe it or not, you know, the feedback we're getting from in-store associates when the robots in the store has actually been very positive. Mm. Um, uh, these are, like you said, mundane, tedious tasks they don't like to do. Right. So uh, they're very happy. And then, you know, we'll, we'll get customers that have asked me when I've been in stores, you know, oh, is the robot taking a job? And, and quite frankly, to your point, I'll say, no, they're not. And what they're doing is allowing you to have your, your favorite product on the shelf more frequently in this one gentleman said to me, so you're telling me that this robot will help me get the Fritos on the shelf more frequently? And I said, yep. And he said, okay, I'm all for it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, I, I want to transition a little bit into the future because obviously it's making a meaningful difference in the retailers that are using it. 
but I also feel like these particular robots are, are multi-purpose robots. They're not just cell scanning. They're doing other things or potentially are going to be doing other things as well. So you actually invest, if you're a retailer, in one device that can perform many functions for you. So what do you think that the future of the shelf scanning robots in the stores is going to look like? Um, I think the future is extremely strong. I think that um, as the technology uh, matures, um, the digital uh, imaging technology matures, uh, we're going to see just a higher growth path um, for the robots. Um, you know, we, we do an all-in-one, uh, three-in-one robot ourselves. Um, our robots not only do the shell scanning and inventory control from the things we talked about, but we also, uh, that same robot in between its tasks of, of evaluating shelf conditions is going around the store checking for um, hazards. Mm -hmm. And it's a hazard mitigation application called Inspect on that same robot. Uh, we'll go around the store and look for slip and fall debris to help the safety of the store. And when it finds anything that might be dangerous, uh, it'll post up next to it like a safety cone and then um, uh, alerts through a task management system over the PA system that there's a uh, debris on the floor that needs to be um, attended to. So that's another application along with the inventory. And that same robot also has a security feature to it where it can do augmentation for security walks in the back of the stores or the distribution centers, checking on refrigeration doors and pallets and things like that, that typically uh, some of the larger grocers have very strict security path walks that they that they do in the back of the store. This is just another thing the robot can do to help them to allow the associates to free up their time to help customers do more, you know, customer facing activities. So, so if in the middle of the night, while people are stocking the store, the robot can go around to all of the exit doors. Can it can actually detect whether those exit doors are open or closed or locked, or is there somebody behind the scenes kind of looking at that? How does that work? Um, yeah, the robot um, will. Uh, it's 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 got artificial intelligence and machine learning where it understands what a door or fire extinguisher, or defibrillator, or or anything. Uh, looks like and it'll report if that door's open or that window's open or something's uh, not right. Uh, and then we also have a, a second tier human verification that the robot can actually say, hey, I'm confused. And it'll be sent to a human for, for a second tier verification. So we make sure we cover both things when the robot from an artificial intelligence may be confused on what it sees. We have a secondary um, uh, part in there where a human can look at it. So we make sure that the robot's completely doing what it needs to do. Wow, that's awesome. So just practically, if I'm a customer and I see a robot in the store, mm -hmm. just I've, I've gotten this questions while I've been in the store, you sort of go, how does it navigate? And should I watch out so it doesn't run into me and all those other kinds of things? How does, how does it navigate a store first off? And then secondly, how does it handle obstructions of things that we're supposed or not supposed to be there or are supposed to be there to make sure it doesn't have any kind of uh, any kind of accidents. Sure, sure. Great question. So let me take a step back on that uh, on your first question and just talk about how we set a store up for the navigation. Uh, when a store uh, partners with us and identifies a location or multiple locations, what we do is we we take a, a field technician and we send them into a store with a LIDAR navigation system. And LIDAR stands for the light detection and ranging. Uh, it's, a, it's a navigation system that uses a laser scanner and GPS all in one. 
Um, and it, that technician takes a handheld LIDAR device, puts it on a tripod in the shopping cart and walks around the store for about an hour and captures literally in about an 85,000 square foot store, a complete 3D map of every inch of the store. We then clean that map up on, and program it back into the robot in a 2D fashion, uh, two-dimensional. And that's how the robot understands and learns uh, in the first phase of the, the um, navigation that it has to follow within a store. Then we go and once that's done, we do what we call a base scan and we test the navigation of the store. We also test what the robot's seeing on the shelves and all that together is called a base scan. And we do that for one or two days. And then that enables and tests the robot that the navigation is ready. Um, so that's what we do to set the store up. Uh, but it's a very short process and, and very non-intrusive. We then, uh, from a navigation perspective, um, the robot can tell through both hardware sensors and software sensors. It can detect a solid object versus a human. And it also has uh, safety cone sensors and, and imaging cameras that it can detect a human up to nine feet away or an object up to nine feet away and know where it's supposed to go or stay away from. So if it sees a human nine feet away, it alerts itself and says, okay, there's somebody there. And if a human gets within three feet of the robot, it completely stops from a safety perspective mm -hmm. and then allows the person to you know, do its thing and then get out of the way. Once that person gets out of the way, the robot continues on its path or, or what we call a play. And the robot is programmed with several plays to conduct several tasks throughout the day different times a day and it uses this whole lidar navigation to do so wow fascinating so so the the practical reality is a robot's never going to run into something or somebody no not yet we've had um we've had a knock on wood we've done over in our current uh uh client base we've done over a mil uh, 1.3 million miles on the robot and the robot has never run into anyone yet so we can knock on wood on that so Wow. It's a great, great technology and very, very safe. Awesome. Terrific. Terrific. So tell me about how it's being monitored. Somebody watching this thing is it's navigating through a story or is it just kind of autonomously doing that <laughs> and sending data back? Yeah. So we have a, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's monitored by Badger 24 seven worldwide. So, um, give you, give you a range of magnitude, Mike, we have customers in Australia, New Zealand, uh, Portugal, France, Israel, and you know many states here in the U.S. So this uh, ro all those robots are monitored out of one system called um, Skybox. It's a fleet management system in our headquarters. Um, it monitors the robot uh, 24/7, uh, and it also monitors each robot's heartbeat every 10 seconds. And the way the program a robot is programmed uh, through its software. Um, that fleet management system not only can monitor the robot's movements, but it can diagnose it. And over 90% of the issues in the field can be corrected right from the skybox. And we have employees that work around the clock just monitoring if there's any alerts or something's wrong with the robot, they'll evaluate it on the screen, and then the robot is corrected. But 90% of it can be done remotely worldwide to get the robot back on track if there's ever an issue. Wow. Awesome. All right. So real practically... I am an employee in a store that I'm seeing a Badger robot. I get those alerts. How do I get those alerts and how do I actually execute slash fix those alerts inside the store? 
Yes, yeah, so the, the alerting uh, can be done several different ways. Um, all of our clients have the ability to use the Badger portal. Okay. Um, and within that portal, we uh, will show each aisle that the robot runs and uh, they'll have a visual of any discrepancies it sees from out of stock, wrong pricing, uh, wrong item. Um, and what that portal can do is it can allow you to download a task list uh, if you wish, or that task list can also be alerted through an API to a grocer's um, primary system if they choose to do that. And then they want to uh, run the reports out of their own task management system and dispatch the associates. But the alerts can be done different way. They can be done via the portal system. An alert can be sent to a text uh, of one of the workers' phones, SMS. Um, there's different ways. It could be over the PA system. So we work it out with the client based on their operational needs and the way they run their processes for those alerts to get to their smart devices or some kind of system in the way that they need today. Okay. Awesome. Well, is uh, certainly the people who benefit are the retailers because they get to have insights about whether they have product on the shelf for the customers or not. The other obvious, you know, people that that get benefit are the customers because the stuff is there on the shelf much more frequently than if it's sitting in the back room someplace. Who else benefits from this particular technology? Oh, wow. Um, well, you know, we've been asked beyond the retail, uh, but in the same ecosystem, um, the uh, CPGs, now known as FMCGs, are very interested in this kind of information because um, they too want to know information on their shelf conditions. Hmm. Uh, so we've had interest from those kind of organizations to get the same information a retailer does to make sure their items are in the right place and are in stock. Um, there's also other data aggregator organizations out there like um, you know uh, IRIs and Nielsen's and they're people that could benefit from more frequent information today uh, those kind of organizations that do predictive and prescriptive analytics uh, do it off of system-driven information, point-of-sale data that might be driven at the end of the day, um, allowing them to make judgment on on, on things in the future. Um, they can get more information from a robotics company like Badger uh, more frequently throughout the day, which they wouldn't get today. Um, there's also, you know, uh, different um, larger CPGs like the uh, Pepsis and Cokes that have... Um, logistics and DSD type of organizations that are working in the store two or three times a day, they can use this kind of technology. So it's really addressing the whole ecosystem of people and suppliers that are not only um, uh, delivering in, um, stuff to the store, but both of them are very concerned in making sure that the shelf conditions have the right products at the right time. Wow. Man, fantastic, BJ. So one of the, my favorite questions, which I always ask at the end of these podcasts, are what question didn't, did I not ask that I should have? What's kind of on your mind or what you've heard from customers or retailers or, or anybody that I should have asked, but I didn't? And, and then, of course, what's the answer to that question? Um, I'll start off with a whimsical one. Uh, you know, there, there will be robots that put stuff back on the shelves today. We don't do that, but I, I, I've seen some technologies that uh, robots stocking shelves. Um, but I, I think all in all, there, there's, there's beyond just price tags and things of that nature, there's also um, different types of tags in stores that need to be analyzed, such as RFID tags and a lot of the big grocers with the um, apparel part of their business uh, need that. Um, 
that that stuff evaluated as well. Badger brings that offering to the table too. So we 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 are testing right now and getting ready to release our first uh, pilot program with the um, RFID capabilities. Uh, so congratulations, that's great. I, I mentioned a little bit, Mike, about our uh, you know hazard detection um, and the security aspect of it. So uh, I think you covered almost everything. There's not really much that you didn't ask, but you know robots are here to stay. I believe that they're going to be a, a very important part. But again, at the end of the day, it's about the customer mm. and having a great experience. Great, great. Well, if people want to find out more information about Badger and some of the things that you can do, uh, who would you like me to have them contact? Uh, you can have them contact, um, heck, I'm, I'm a very personable person. They can contact myself okay. uh, at William underscore Santiago at jable.com. Uh, People might say, what's the Jable? Well, Jable is our parent company out of St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, uh, they're a $30 billion contract manufacturer. They have a big retail practice. Badger is a product company under them. Or uh, Mark Shake, um, uh, then that's Mark underscore Shake at Jable.com. Uh, also, uh, you could go to our website, badger-technologies.com, um, uh, and then uh, do a web inquiry there. And we'll get back to you within, you know, 24 hours as well. So awesome. Well, BJ, I want to thank you on behalf of our audience. Uh, we did have a number of folks after the last one on shelf scanning robots reach out. These are some of the questions that they provided. And I thought you did a great job of answering them. Thank you so much for all you're doing for the retail tech world and helping us figure out how to get more product on the shelf for our customers and uh, being a very, very important part of that. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having us. And we're it's always a pleasure talking with you. All right. Appreciate it. Take care. Thanks, buddy. I hope you enjoyed that podcast regarding the Badger robot and its capability for shelf scanning, floor cleaning, and lots of good things that are coming forward uh, with the Badger Corporation. Another tool in the toolbox to help drive on-shelf availability. Next podcast, I'm really excited. We are gonna get behind the scenes of the Walmart implementation of RFID, the business drivers behind it, the motivation by merchandising to get the on-hands right. We are joined by several uh, key leaders. Uh, Andy Murray, who is the former CEO of Saatchi and Saatchi, spent quite a bit of time in the marketing area at Walmart, including being the CMO from the Asda Corporation. He'll be joining us to get us a customer perspective uh, of why on-hand accuracy is so important using RFID. We're also going to get a chance to talk with the retired Senior Vice President of Apparel, Deanna Baker, who basically led the uh, business drivers behind implementing RFID at Walmart uh, for apparel. We're also joined by Dr. Bill Hargrave, who is the President of the University of Memphis. He is an expert on Omnichannel and will speak a lot to the buy online, pick up in store and a new term, research online, pick up in store. And last but not least, Justin Patton, who's the director of the Auburn RFID Lab, will be here to talk about some of the ways that retailers can get 